Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is New Rust Station, a show about the Rust programming language and the people who use it. This is a news episode for Rust 1.25. Yes, already. First things first, though. Some follow-up from the last news episode, which was less than a month ago because I got it out late. Between when I recorded that and now, the language we're using for the backwards-compatible breaking changes I discussed then has changed. Instead of epoch or epoch, however you say it, the Rust core team decided to go with addition. For one thing, there's a consistent pronunciation of it. For another, and more importantly, addition is a word that far more people understand, and it communicates the right things to people for whom English isn't their native language. That's a big deal. It's especially a big deal when one of the goals for Rust in 2018 is broadening Rust's international and multicultural reach. Addition also gets the idea across more to other language communities. It's more reminiscent, and in the right ways, of things like the C++ 2011 standard. Gives the same idea. Now with that important bit of follow-up out of the way, we can dive in and talk about what's going on with Rust 1.25. One major stabilization for this release is from RFC 1358, which was several years ago now. This is for the Repper Align X, where X is a number attribute, and this lets you specify the specific number of bytes to use for aligning a given item. This is an important tweak for people writing code that needs to, say, meet specific hardware requirements, or that needs to interoperate with specific compiler output from GCC or MSVC and other compilers. Most of the time, you don't need this at all. The compiler just figures out a good way to lay out the data for you. And when you do need it, you've been able to do this totally manually for a long time. This feature stabilizing lets you get it for less manual work. You can just use this attribute to tell the compiler, hey, lay this struct or enum out with this byte alignment instead of whatever you'd normally use. And then you can trust that the compiler will get it right. You don't have to do the manual work for those scenarios anymore. It's been a long time coming. As I mentioned, it's been a couple of years. The RFC for this was opened in November 2015, and it was approved in May 2016. So over two years from the time it's been opened and almost two years from the time that it was approved. As usual, slow and steady wins the race here. There are two other language features landing in this release. Both of them are just little syntactical niceties. One of them I feel kind of mad about, but the other one I think is really nice. The really nice one is that you can now do nested path imports using curly brace syntax for expansion. I've thrown a small example of this in the show notes so you can see what I mean. This ends up making for a much nicer experience when you're importing a bunch of things from different submodules of a given crate. And I believe Rust Format, the formatting tool for Rust code, already has smarts in place to handle this. So not only can you have nested imports, you can actually get them nicely laid out in easy-to-read fashion as well. The other syntactical change, nicety, something, is that Rust now lets you write leading pipe characters for each of the items listed in a given pattern match. I, as you can tell, have mixed feelings on this. In other languages where that's the case, TypeScript and F-sharp, for example, the leading pipe is actually what delineates the different things being matched. Here, though, it's just the separator between multiple terms that all have the same result in the match. 
the option is there so that when you have enough or complicated enough items that you have to span multiple lines for a single set of things that go with the same match arm, you can visually line them up. And again, I've dropped a code sample in the show notes for this episode to show why this might be appealing, but also how it actually ends up being less clear. It's a function of how Rust matches are different from the other languages that support this. But if you want it, it's there. Finally, language-wise at least, an old and long-deprecated and always unstable attribute for using SIMD has been removed. If you're a big fan of SIMD, though, you don't need to be worried by this removal, because it got removed because we're getting full and proper SIMD support on stable pretty soon, hopefully in time for the Rust 2018 edition. Some of you, of course, are giddy about this. Others of you are saying, I know that acronym, I, I think? Others still are saying, what in the world is SIMD? So a quick overview. The acronym stands for Single Instruction Multiple Data. It's a way of taking a bunch of different data values and running the same instruction on all of them. In the concurrency versus parallelism discussion, this is a kind of parallelism. There's only one instruction happening, but it's happening on multiple pieces of data at the same time. In practice, SIMD is a set of instructions available on modern processors, which are extremely powerful when you need to apply the same transformation to a lot of pieces of data. One of the canonical examples of this is applying the same volume adjustment to a bunch of audio samples. If you wanted to turn this podcast up, for example, you can check out RFC number 2325, which is, of course, linked in the show notes for discussion of how that stabilization process will play out. It's going to start with x86 SIMD instructions, but it's going to go at it in a way that puts a foundation in place so that other platforms and indeed full portability can happen down the road. This could be another big win for Rust in performance critical spaces. Now, behind the scenes, and you won't notice any of this, at least one hopes not, this update also included getting Rust using LLVM 6.0. LLVM, if you're unfamiliar, is the tooling that backs the Rust compiler, along with a lot of other languages, including C, C++, Objective-C, Swift, and plenty of others as well. And this behind-the-scenes note is actually more than just a, a sort of nice keeping up with changes upstream thing, though in and of itself, that is important. It's also useful because it fixes some bugs around those same SIMD instructions we were just talking about, and it also lets us continue tracking for using the LLVM WebAssembly backend. As listeners know, that's something dear to my heart. And keep your ears open. I may be working on some things related to that in the near future. Cargo also got a bit of love this release. One of the more notable changes you might see in your day-to-day -day work is that when you run Cargo New, it defaults to generating a binary for you instead of a library. You can, of course, still run Cargo New dash dash lib to get a library. The thinking here is that we want the first run experience for new users to be as smooth as possible. Experienced users already know how to type those couple extra characters to generate a stub for a library, but it's extra mental work for someone just trying out the language for the first time. Because again, after all, what is the first thing most people do when they go to use a new programming language? They build a small program. And whether that's Hello World or some small command line tool or anything along those lines, most people don't come to a new programming language and start by writing a library. They start with those small programs. And this optimizes for that case just to make the on-ramp that little bit smoother. 
There have, of course, also been a bunch of interesting things happening in the community since the last news episode. The first of these is something that dovetails nicely with part of what I called for in my Rust Belt Rust talk last year, and which was the bonus episode that just came out. Matthias Endler, who you may remember I actually interviewed at Rust Belt Rust last year, launched Hello Rust, which is a video series he describes as a lighthearted live programming channel about my journey to become a fearless, more effective Rust programmer. I am, as you can probably tell, extremely excited to see this out there. Video content is a really helpful way for people to learn the language, and we don't have much of it yet in Rust, so I am really excited. Go check it out. Speaking of learning materials, there's also a new Rust book in Portuguese. The title, translated, is Functional and Concurrent Programming in Rust, and I have to admit being a little jealous that our Portuguese Rust stations have a book focused on functional and concurrent programming in Rust. That sounds awesome. There's also a neat new load testing tool you can use with your web apps, Rust or otherwise, called Drill. It's designed to be lighter weight and maybe, probably even, faster than many of the existing load testing solutions out there. So if you have a web application in any old stack and you need to see how it behaves under load, you might give Drill a look. There was also a really fun bit of news announced at EmberConf a couple weeks ago. Rust is now being used to re-implement the VM that runs the Glimmer rendering engine used in Ember.js and Glimmer.js. I've mentioned this on the show before, but Yehuda Katz and Alex Crichton have been hammering away at this since last December, and the fun thing, which they demoed on stage, is that it's working. You can actually see the app running with it at schedule-wasm.emberconf.com. Note that in Safari specifically, you have to be running the latest versions. Safari accidentally, and happily only temporarily, broke WebAssembly with its fix for the Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities. Next, and this one is perhaps my favorite of all of these, though it's a close competition with the Glimmer bits. I heard last week from a listener in Russia who was inspired by the show, and particularly by the bonus episode with my Becoming a Contributor talk, to start collaborating with other Russian Rust users to translate the second edition of the Rust book. How great is that? Translation is a huge need. It fits right in with the Rust 2018 roadmap, and this kind of thing makes Rust more accessible in Russia. That's awesome. Finally, in terms of community news, the RustConf 2018 call for proposals is open. RustConf is happening in August in Portland, and the call for proposals is open until April 13th. And I'm on the program committee, so if you submit something, don't identify yourself, it's blind on purpose, but I get to review your proposals, and I'll be coordinating with the rest of the program committee to decide which talks we'll be hearing. And presumably, I'll see you there if you're going in August. Can't wait. And that's a wrap on news things around Rust 1.25. There was a fair bit going on with 1.25, but just wait. 1.26 is going to be crazy. And the amount of stuff stabilizing this year in general is going to be pretty crazy and pretty great. Over the next few weeks, keep your ears out. I should have two deep dive episodes on traits. I was planning that for this week, but 1.25 snuck up on me. March was crazy. Thanks, as always, to this month's $10 or more sponsors. Aaron Turon, Alexander Payne, Anthony Deschamps, Benam Esfabode, Dan Abrams, 
Daniel Cullen, David W. Allen, Derek Buckley, Hans Fjallamark, John Rudnick, Lori Hedge, Matt Rudder, Nathan Scully, Nick Stevens, Peter Tillemans, Paul Naranja, Olaf Leininger, Olushe Shonaya, Raj Vengalil, Ramon Buckley, Rafe Levine, Vesa Kailaverta, and Zachary Snyder. That list is getting long, and I am so grateful to all of you as well as to the many listeners in the show notes. Thank you all so much. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can set up ongoing support at patreon.com slash neurostation or send a one-off my way via any of a number of other services listed on the website, neurostation.com. There you'll also find scripts and code samples for most of the teaching episodes, along with transcripts for some of the interviews, hopefully someday all of them. And there's full show notes for every episode there, as well as in whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this. You can find the notes for this episode at neurostation.com slash show underscore notes slash news slash rust underscore one underscore 25. If you're enjoying Neurostation, please help others find it. I'd love it if you told them about it in person. <laughs> Go to a meetup, tell people about the podcast. You can also share it on social media. You can rate and review it in your favorite podcast directory. However you tell people, I appreciate it. You can follow the show on Twitter at NeuraStation, and I'm there at Chris Kreitcho. I'd love to get news from you in particular for the 126 episode in six weeks. You can also respond in the threads on the Rust user forums on Reddit or Hacker News, and you can always just send me email at hello at NeuraStation.com. Until next time, happy coding. There's also a neat new And that's a wrap on news things around what's